Resurrected, a show all about life's pivotal moments. We sit down with celebrities, athletes, and entrepreneurs in hopes to gain inspiration, guidance, and hopefully some entertainment with each and every episode. My name is Andrew East, and I'm your host. And the reason I created this show is because I myself have experienced so many redirections, having transitioned from being an engineer to a professional athlete to ultimately being a social media entrepreneur and expanding beyond that. And I'm not here to teach you how things are supposed to be done or to tell you the best way to go about things. My goal with this is to ultimately try to bring you stories that might tap into your experience that you're going through right now. And so today's guest is a very special friend of mine, Josh Lambeau. Uh, Josh just actually signed a new contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's already been there a couple seasons Josh is going to tell his awesome story of how he went from playing in the MLS, Major League Soccer, to ultimately the NFL, and compare the two leagues for us, tell us how he made that transition and what kept him encouraged throughout. Before we hear from Josh, I do want to tell you about today's weekly redirect, and so this is a moment in the show where I step back and share with you guys something personal in my life that has redirected um, my week, and so we actually just announced that we are pregnant, and uh, we did that last Thursday. It was really, really fun to hear the responses, and I, I felt as a proud husband um, that Sean couldn't have composed herself better. Uh, our story is having recovered from miscarriage um, and then trying for a year and a half, and ultimately now we are pregnant, and I feel like Sean does such a great job at speaking to millions of, of people, couples, and females who go through similar things, so... Hats off to you, Sean. I'm excited to uh, do this journey with you. I'm terrified and um, really, really pumped to, to see what's next. So that's the weekly redirect. And I also wanted to talk to you about products that could redirect your life. And actually, this is something I am extremely passionate about and think is wildly important. And Sean and I have been using this for several years now, but it is a software called Mint. And it's a way for those of you who are comfortable to tie all your accounts, financial uh, related, whether it's bank account or investment accounts, and be able to see exactly what your cash flow is in and out. You're able to set budgets, and you're kind of able to see your whole financial portfolio on a clean, crisp dashboard. Um, it tracks your bill pay, and I love using it. I think it's really, really important just so that Sean and I know exactly where we are in regards to finances, and I never... Never want uh, finances to be more of a stress than they already are inherently. And so Mint helps us keep things clean and organized. And I would highly recommend you guys check out their software. This show is brought to you by Himalaya, which is my favorite app to listen to podcasts. It's got a great clean interface and all your favorite shows on it. Be sure to download the Himalaya app if you haven't already and find this show redirected on there. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hear from Josh. Lambo, and I'm excited for this one. Can't wait to hear your feedback. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm sitting down right now with my ex teammate. I think it's fair to say that we were teammates, yeah, Josh. Josh Lambo. So. I think so. I hope so. <laughs> um, it's good to see you again. It's been a while. You too, man. Um, but I wanted to have you on the show, Josh, because I constructed this whole series around people who have had interesting redirections in life i mean you kind of know my story with the nfl and ultimately right. it was because i got cut from the nfl that i stumbled into social media and all this other stuff and so i, I realized i look at the people around me and there's so many other stories of people who had been redirected and yeah when you were telling me yours i was like you know what this fits perfectly and uh let's make this happen so thank you for taking the time yeah man thanks for the opportunity it's awesome um, I wanted to start off, if you could, by kind of just discussing your background, you know, what your parents did lightly, and then, uh, you know, what kind of situation and context you grew up in. I think that'd be helpful. Yeah, yeah. So, um, growing up, my folks were always super supportive, thankfully. Um, you know, I never really um, wanted for anything. My parents were super stellar. I, I, was growing up, I grew up a soccer player. Uh, I started playing at like four years old, little YMCA league, because my two older brothers played soccer. So, I was just a natural progression of your son is okay your older brothers play soccer you're gonna play soccer um mm -hmm. and i used to be the, the short chunky kid who couldn't run so they stuck me in goal and then i started growing vertically instead of horizontally <laughs> and i took up half the goal um yeah. and then i just kind of stayed there and yeah my parents were always super supportive 
Um, and my mom drove me three days a week, an hour and a half, one way to practice. Oh um, two, uh, two hours to home games uh, on the weekends. My parents were specifically my mom. She was a rock star in my like youth sports. So you went to boarding school. Is that right too? Yeah. So when I was 14, I got invited to go to IMG Academy down in Bradenton, Florida. Um, I didn't play for IMG. I played for the U17 national team. It was called the residency program. It was U.S. soccer's way of trying to keep up with um, the progression of youth soccer with the rest of the world. Because if you're not a pro at 15, 16, anywhere else in a soccer predominant country, you're never going to be one. And so, you know, the best players in the country were playing high school soccer part of the year. And that's uh, not no disrespect, but there are better ways to. <laughs> to spend your time if you're an elite soccer player. And yeah. so that was U.S. soccer's way of um, getting the best players to play against and with the best players on a daily basis. So I was um, the first goalkeeper for my age group to get invited down. I moved uh, out of my house in Madison, Wisconsin, well, Middleton, Wisconsin, um, about a month before I turned 15. Wow. So I actually um, just read Andre Agassi's book uh, called Open. Mm -hmm. where he talks about uh i think his coach was the founder of img i don't know if you uh, Balotel um yes what is it nick bought i think it's nick botticelli or something like that but Some, something italian the concept of an athletics focused boarding school was new to me and it kind of uh was abrasive to me a little bit just because I was like, you know, my, my grandpa and my dad were huge on academics and it's right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if at IMG you felt like academics suffered. Like what was, what was the focus percentage wise of like, 80%? yeah, I mean, so we went to the small, there were a different couple options for schoolings. Uh, there was an actual school on campus that a lot of people went to. Um, but that, and I think that was probably the best education you could have got. There was a Catholic school that was across the street from the academy you could have gone to, um, but all of the residency players went to this small little school called Edison Academic Center. Um, it was literally in a strip mall. There was like an Albertsons, a little chocolate shop, a, people, a place where people came and played bridge, Edison Academic Center, Tequila Beach Sports Bar and Grill, and 7-Eleven across awesome. the parking lot. Nice. We went to school for half a day, and I graduated a year and a half early. So maybe wasn't the best education we could have got but then I went on <laughs> but then I but then I went on to Texas A&M and graduated with a dual major with high honors so it's like it's kind of you get out of what, what you put into it I I hope you didn't feel like I was insulting your intelligence level I was just more kind of oh no I insult system. my own time, so you're here <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> through and through <laughs> I I feel like so fortunate having been a football player in Indiana where we only had fall season and in the off season, I wasn't thinking about football at all. I, I feel right. like from a life balance perspective, that was good for me. Although I'm sorry, I'm sure I would have been a better football player had I had spring ball and had I been doing it in the summer and like been super focused on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but soccer is one of those sports where, you have to like travel team you're you're gone every single weekend you're on probably three different teams a year and it seems non-stop uh mm -hmm. soccer consumed your childhood to, to a large extent yeah is, is that fair to, to, say? to say the least i mean yeah even when i was still back home in the midwest um yeah it was you know three to four practices a week couple games a week uh even in the winter you're constantly doing indoor uh, I mean, the club that I played for, the Chicago Magic, when you hit U14, you literally played in a Tuesday night men's league at what? 13, 14 years old. So, like, I mean, that's, and that's why I think I was able to progress so quickly. I played in those men's leagues. Um, I always practiced and uh, played sometimes with my brother and his team, who was four years older than me. And so, you know, at, at 12 years old, I was taking shots from 16-year-olds. And then when I go back, you know, and practice and we're messing around in our backyard, we had a soccer goal. Um, and then I'd go back down to my own age group and it would be too easy. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was super helpful for me in my progression, my growth as a goalkeeper, as a soccer player. I was, was, it, it was a massive benefit that I got to play against older players all the time. Gosh, it's amazing having talked with Sean, who was 
so committed on a different level than I really ever was at like 15 or 14 years old to her sport. Was there ever a point where you were like, look, like, let me take a step back and just kind of do normal kid things. Or was it always, were you always so driven towards making professional soccer happen that like you were, you were willing to sacrifice anything? Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, um, when I was a kid, still at home, I didn't have any like second thoughts or anything, but I was also still really young. I don't know if I was capable of those like lifelong thought processes. Yeah. Um, the first time I ever really realized it, I was probably 18 and I was in my second year in the MLS with FC Dallas and things weren't going exactly how I planned them to, to go. You know, my first ever pro soccer game, I broke my jaw. Then the coach that drafted me, as soon as I got healthy, he got fired. The next coach that came in just really never gave me a shot. And here I am locked into this four-year contract. And I'm like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Like, did I, did I ever just take the time to sit down and be like, you know what? Yes, I 100,000% want to be a pro soccer player. Um, yeah, I never really sought, or thought to sit down and have that conversation with myself. It was, you know, you know my, my life's journey has always kind of been, okay, what's next? So mm -hmm. I, you know, was a stellar youth player. Um, what's next? National team with the U-17s. Boom, I get invited to residency. Complete my residency, played in the U-17 World Championships. Um, okay, what's next? Pro soccer, boom, done, got it. Contract, youngest goalkeeper ever drafted in MLS. Wow. Um, get on the team, make the first team, awesome, boom. What's next? U twenty national team, boom. Backup goalkeeper, U twenty world championships. What's next? Wow. Okay, now I get fired. Again, <laughs> and but yeah. then for me, you know what? What's next? And ultimately, that was football. And so that's kind of always been my my thought process is um, what is what? What's the next step? And yeah. so, no, I never really thought about it. Um, but again, not, not intelligent. <laughs> Dude, this is something that I've struggled with. And um, I, I definitely want to jump into your MLS career uh, that you were alluding to, um, because that's a huge part of your story. But as an athlete, I feel like we're so fortunate to have very clearly defined um, goals and like a path that we can walk down. So for you, it yeah. was... You know, you're making whatever travel team and then you're making the, the U whatever team and then the MLS. And at, in football, it's, hey, I'm playing high school and then I'm trying to make like get a D1 scholarship and then start yeah. there and then like all start. And then when I when I first left or got kicked out of the NFL, I was kind of thrown out in the, the wide world and I didn't know there was no structure for me or path for me to walk down. Yeah, and that was that was really, really I don't know if you've ever found yourself in that situation where, you know, it's like we, we always have something to shoot for. And then right. athletics is no longer part of your life. And you're like, oh, my gosh, well, what do I what's my performance based off of? And what do I have to yeah. shoot for? You know, like what's right. my next step? So I know you, you're obviously crushing it in your athletic career, but uh, it, it sounds like you have navigated that to some extent. Yeah, I think I was fortunate enough to have started and ended my professional soccer career at a very young age. Um, I mean, again, I was drafted at 17 and I was done at 21. Um, and so thankfully, you know, I had the wherewithal to get an associate's degree from an online school in my last two years in the MLS. And so for me, what was next after my MLS career failed was, okay, I need to get a four-year education so I can get like a job. Yeah, you know, I was making really good money. I was making six figures as a teenager. I don't want to go having some average job. I'm not an average mm -hmm. person. I've never things. I don't want to have an average job. So that means I need to get a better education. And so thankfully my mom, she, I mean, that's how I got started with football. Um, I told her, I said, Hey Ma, I think soccer, I think athletics are out of the question. Um, I think I need to go to a university, get a four year education and then just kind of go from there. And again, me leaving home so young, She's like, well, Josh, if you're going to go back to school, why don't you learn how to kick field goals, come home, live with your mother in Wisconsin, kick for the Badgers. Um, oh, hi, doggies. Um, there's the dogs. And, uh, there's the dogs. And um, I had the, the connection to call the former um, kicker at University of Wisconsin, Taylor Melhoff. He got drafted by the Saints, um, played there for about a year, played in the CFL for a year. Um, 
And so I reached out to him through my brother. I said, hey, we met a couple of times like this. I'm Zach's younger brother. This is where I've been. This is where I'm trying to go. Can you help me? Um, and he's like, yeah, man, of course, for sure. And that was May of 2012. We put together some really good videos over the summer. And then come September, I was enrolled in Texas A&M and on the football field. So wow. I was, yeah, I was nuts. Um, so wow. I was really, really fortunate. The ball kind of bounced my way a lot more than it hadn't, even though it felt like it wasn't. Um, I was super, super fortunate with um, kind of the breaks that I got. Honest, honestly, I talked to my wife, Megan, about this. Sometimes I feel guilty about my successes sometimes because, I mean, I can't specifically name someone like verbatim, but there's got to be kids out there that put more film time and more like actual time to be a kicker or a punter mm -hmm. or a long snapper or whatever. And they just, they just never got a sniff. I was so fortunate that the emails that I sent out, the one school that responded was Texas A&M because it went to the one coach in all of NCAA that tried his hand in pro soccer, David Beatty. Wow. Uh, he was the former head coach at Kansas. He was the wide receivers coach and the head of recruiting at A&M. And he actually tried to play overseas soccer. He played did in England as a, as a youth. Did you and know so that when, when you sent that email? No, I just sent it to like, I went, I probably sent emails wow. to 30 different schools. I was still living in Dallas. You know, to anywhere that I felt like I could drive, if they said, yes, we'd like to come, like, have you come in for an unofficial visit tomorrow, I could be like, boom, done, I'm there. Um, wow. And a and was the only school that responded. So I was working as like a, a gym attendant at this community college where I was trying to bump my grades up so I could transfer into a decent school. And um, I just went to all these different football websites and like looked for like the director of recruiting or whatever, yeah. you know, not, not someone too high that wouldn't see it or not someone that was too low that it wouldn't make a difference if it got to him. And thankfully by God or whatever the heck you want to say, that email fell into the hands of David Beatty and he responded that evening. And that was the only response I ever got. I mean, I had, wow. I had, I had video of me hitting a 70 yard field goal. It's not bad. And, it's not bad. <laughs> and I and I got one response, but thankfully, uh, maybe that was how it was supposed to be. Because if there were more multiple offers, maybe I would have picked the wrong option. I don't know. Everything's working out all right so far. Well, so what's so cool about your story, and I feel like people can learn from, is um, one, you like you really had a vision of what you wanted. So you, you reach out to Taylor. Uh, the Melhoff, yeah. Meller, Taylor Melhoff, because you were like, hey, I want to play uh, college football, and how do I get there? And so you, you had an idea and a concept uh, of where you wanted to be, which I feel like step one is, is already ahead of a lot of people. Um, and this is what I'm learning. Sean and I have been doing vision boards, which I've never done in my life. I've always been big on goals, but never like a vision board. Right. And, right. and I feel like the value is that you're, you're tangibly setting yourself up for, um, you know, where, where you're trying to be in five years or 10 years. And it's, 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 I, yeah. I feel like it's a, an advanced method of goal setting. So you did that. And then you also, you weren't, you weren't scared to, to reach out to people that you thought could help you. Um, and it's cool too. It's not like you were, you just walked into kicking a 70 yard field goal. Like you had trained all your life and soccer didn't work out but you didn't let that yeah. discourage you from all athletics in general you said hey you know what? I have a powerful leg let me see if I can use this skill set and translate that into something else so yeah props I, to you. I, I, thanks man <laughs> and I think a lot of that when people maybe get a, a, you know I love the saying a dream delayed is not a dream denied mm -hmm. um yeah I think you know, there's some buddies that like that were on the youth national team with me and we were on the first team in FC Dallas together and you know, several years later and you know it's all a matter of perspective, but some of those guys are playing like professional indoor now and playing in like Hungary. And if that's their prerogative, awesome. God bless them. Proud of those guys for like continuing to do what they love. To a certain extent though, I think it's almost counterproductive and you need to almost let things go a little bit because holding on to something a little too tight in my perspective can be detrimental. Mm. I think what people don't appreciate enough or maybe don't have the understanding of is kind of the art of pivoting. So like, for example, like you alluded to, I realized, okay, I have a strong let. Well, I didn't realize my mom suggested and then another coach brought it out. I mean, Melhoff 
is okay. You have this talent and this ability. Um, I have, I have the competitive drive and the competitive nature. I have, I've been kicking a ball my entire life. So I could either, you know, I could have, I had contract offers for second division um, in, in the States, which isn't great soccer. It's not great money in that time in my life. It just didn't make sense. Um, and so like, okay, what else can I do to be successful? And I used the traits and the skills that I already had, but I just kind of kept one foot planted and just pivoted a little bit mm-hmm. to where I could still use the traits and the abilities and skills that I have to succeed in something else. I feel like some people hang on for too long and some people give up too early, like entirely, you know, if you, if you um, do medical sales for a long time, it doesn't necessarily work, but you love cars, maybe mechanical sales or like car sales. You can do, you can use the skills that you have in more than one skills, like more than one um, genre. Right. Well, I want to, I want to ask you this because it's a, it's a tough question and, and a tough place to be where you don't know if you're holding on too tightly to something or you're at the place where you might be giving up early. You know what I'm saying? Like right. my, my NFL career, for instance, like I felt like actually I signed with the AAF. I don't know if you just saw the news broke, but the, the league is yeah. closing down. Did you see that? Right. Um, I signed with the AAF and I was like, at that point when I was doing the mini camp with them in December, I was like, dude, I'm holding on too tight to this football thing. I, I know I'm capable of more. and I know I have skills that can translate. So I'm, I quit. And then that's when I got the call from the Redskins. But had I like, what's the line of, hey, you know, I'm really pushing to achieve my gr- dream versus I'm delusional and I need to, I need to, you know, move into something yeah. else. It's hard. Yeah, I think, and there's no clear cut answers. There's no like, one way that that's going to work or not work and or no one way to decipher that I think part of it is do you genuinely feel like you're settling like um me going down and playing in the second division in pro soccer in America for me that would have been settling based off of the skills and attributes I know I had when I was capable of and so that would have been like okay things aren't going my way but hey, this is available. Mm-hmm. And then for me, that was not, it just, it, it wasn't right. It wasn't something, uh, I'll be honest, a little bit of pride was involved. Um, right. you know, I was this young soccer prodigy and then things didn't go my way. And um, so there was definitely a little bit of pride involved there. Um, but also too, it's, I think a level, level of comfortability. And I think a lot of that too is you need to surround yourself with good people that can give you good counsel. Um, mm-hmm. that can be honest with you and say like, Hey man, like you know, maybe it's time to hang up the boots or dude, like, no, this is a great opportunity. I think that this, I think you can come out of this on top. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no clear cut answer. And for me personally, you know, not getting over spiritual or biblical or anything, but, um, you know, my, my parents named me Joshua after the book, of Joshua, um, my birthday is on the 19th of November. And, and so my mom, when I was younger, she got me, um, this Bible verse that's like printed out. It's beautiful. Like it was like painted on wood. I hung up my room as Joshua one nine. Um, and it says commanded you, do you not, um, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. And I feel like a lot of people are praying and waiting on answers. And sometimes God will answer that. But sometimes Preach, I, think like dude. If, I think if you're living life the right way, God is saying, Hey man, you do what you do and I'm going to bless it. Dude. And I'm going to be there with you. And so that was really what gave me the courage to say, you know what? I think I'm going to try this football thing. I think I'm going to go after it. Wow. Bro. I literally have the chills over here. I think <laughs> that's spot on, man. And if that's, if that's um, the takeaway that people get from not only this episode of the show, but the whole freaking concept as a whole of, of, any content that I put out, it's yeah. that. And I, I was raised in a like pretty conservative Christian um, environment where people do pray, like, God, show me what I need to do next. Or, uh, you know, they're, they're hesitant to act in any way. And yeah. I, actually, I read a book called Just Do Something um, by Nick DeYoung, I think it was. And mm-hmm. he was, he, he kind of, his whole concept was exactly what you just said, where it's like, look, 
you can't be paralyzed because you're waiting on God. Like you, God gave you talents and abilities and experiences that you need to use because God gave you those. And don't just sit away, sit around praying, like waiting for him to tell you something like you already know to a certain extent what you're capable of and what you can do. So start there, take that first step and then see where that goes. For sure. I do. So you were like, you quite literally were a soccer prodigy. Um, I'm curious to hear. No, 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 go ahead. I'm curious to to hear your um, decision matrix as, you know, you mentioned that the MLS didn't pan out as you expected it to. How did you know to walk away from it? What was the cause for you walking away from it? Was it just like, hey, I'm not getting any playing time and they're not going to resign me? Or, or what's the context there? Yeah, so FC Dallas, um, actually kind of, FC Dallas and quite honestly, my agent did me kind of dirty. Um, so my agent actually brought in another goalkeeper to FC Dallas. Um, whether that was his Your agent? Do- yeah, whether that wow. was actually his, whether that was his doing or not, you know, it was arguably up for debate, but um, uh, I was in my fourth year. Uh, the team had an option to pick me up for a fifth year. Um, they didn't want to pick me up on the contract I was already on. So they told me, all right, look, we want to keep you as our backup. It was three goalkeepers. Um, the starting goalkeeper, myself, and then this other dude who's still in the league, all wonderful people. I don't have any grudges against any goalkeepers I play with in Boston. Um, some of them I still keep up with, actually, even the guy that arguably took my job. Um, they said, okay, we want you to be the backup, but we're going to re-sign this other guy because we have a, a trade, like a for sure trade lined up. And so he's a free agent as well. We don't want to just give him away for free. So we're going to re-sign him, trade him, and then restructure your contract. And I said, okay, sweet. Um, that for sure trade fell through and there wasn't enough room no. on the roster. And so they kept him and I was on the street. Um, I went overseas uh, to a club called Sheffield United in England. Uh, That didn't pan out. Then I went to preseason with DC United. Um, That didn't pan out. Uh, Because, again, I'm so young at this time. I'm 21. But there are goalkeepers that are coming out of college that are 20, 21, that have been consistently playing and starting. Yes, it may be a lesser level, but they're getting game time. And I was sometimes getting reserve games. and so they're always going to take a, a a cheaper, more experienced player if that's the if that's available. Right. And so nobody was really interested. Um, wow. And again, I had those those second division offers, and there was a, something called the MLS Pool goalkeeper contract. So I don't know if if it's still in existence or not, but um, essentially what it would have been was I would have been living in DC United in DC, training with DC United. Um, and then let's say a goalkeeper in Colorado gets injured. They call the league offices, the Rapids call league offices and say, Hey, we need the pool goalkeeper. Then I get shipped to Colorado and I live there, train there until that goalie's healthy. Then I get shipped back to DC. And then if a goalie in New York gets hurt, then I get shipped to New York. And in that time in my life, it just wasn't attractive to me. Wow. Cause uh, in the, ML- in the MLS, you're owned by the league, not the team. Unless you're like one of the designated players, like it was Latin, Ibrahimovic, or David Beckham when he was playing. Um, so, like, m- all my paychecks came from Major League Soccer, not Interesting. FC Dallas. My paychecks now come from Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, yep. And so it was just, it's just kind of a weird dynamic in the MLS. I think, um, I think I got one paycheck from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Pretty happy about that. Uh, <laughs> hey, more, more, hey, man, more than most. <laughs> um, so, so you go off to A&M. Did, did yeah. you get drafted or no? Uh, I went so? undrafted. Um, so actually, uh, somehow I got invited to the Combine. Um, so I only played – I was on the team for three years. Uh, I was only the starter for about a season and a half, just over a season and a half. And I go to the Combine, and there's this one particular coach, and I won't name him. Uh, but it's like a specialist night at the combine and I'm at this table with all these coaches. And this one guy's like, he almost seems irritated that like I'm even there that they're interviewing me. And they, and he said, look, you only have 24 field goals total in your entire life. A lot of the, a lot of your other like 
competitors here that wow. are also fighting for a job have 30 in one season. Why should we like waste our time on you? And I'm just like, honestly, because anything I've ever done, I've risen to the top of, and that's not going to stop here. And I think he was kind of pissed off that I had a good answer at him. <laughs> uh, so, and I also didn't kick off in college. I just did field goals. Uh, if I would have kicked off, multiple teams told me they would have drafted me. Um, anywho, so I go undrafted to the San Diego Chargers, um, going up against a veteran, uh, Nick Novak, and uh, ultimately they ended up going with me. I played there for two years, um, got released, was flying all over the place doing workouts. I think I did workouts with five teams over six weeks. And then um, Jags called and picked me up. I want to stop for a second and give a shout out to Himalaya, which, as I mentioned earlier in the show, is my favorite app to listen to podcasts on. Um, if you haven't yet, go ahead and download Himalaya and give it a try. It, the interface is really, really nice and clean, and all your favorite shows are on it. So if you guys could give me a follow on that, that would be fantastic. Can't wait to hear your feedback on what you think about it. And so this is your, your third year down there, is that right? Uh, this will, I'm going into my third season. Yeah. I came in weeks, week seven, 2017 played last year and just signed my new contract and I'll be here for four more years. Hey, congrats on that, by the way, man. Thanks. man. Um, I remember I had a trial with the Jaguars like two weeks after you signed and they were like, it's very rare that there'd be that type of turnover on a team. Yeah. I I think it was, it was three weeks after because that, Probably is that when week Overton 10. went down? Yeah, you're right. It was week. Yeah, because I was after exactly. I was after the I was after the Charger game, so that that week is ingrained in my memory for life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you you entered the NFL a little older than most guys. You were 24, is that right? I think I was I think I was 24 my my rookie season. Yeah. What was the the perspective change that you had from your first experience in professional athletics to then entering into the NFL. And I, I want, I'm wondering about the comparison between your experiences with the two leagues. Yeah. The, um, the biggest difference is for me, honestly, the, the sheer size of the locker room. Um, I mean, <laughs> you know, you're, you're used to being with 24 guys and five coaches. Everyone knows everyone fairly, fairly well and intimately. And then you go to the NFL and I don't even know some guys' names. Um, I mean, especially from the MLS to college. And I think we had like 111 guys on the roster my first season at AM. And I'm like, I saw people months later that I didn't even know existed. And they're like, no, we've, I've been on this team the whole time. <laughs> wow. Um, you, know, you know, you're still kind of isolated, you know, because I was a goalie. So I'm off doing my own stuff for the most part. And so you get into teamwork. Um, and then being a kicker, you're definitely isolated, um, even more so, you know, cause you know, you're, you have a, you know, probably 10 to 12 hour work day during the regular season and you're only on the field for three of those hours and everything else is meetings and kickers are not in those meetings. And so you get to know the specialists really well. I was super glad that you and I got to have a lot of the conversations that we had. And, mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you get to know those guys super well as you're aware. Um, but just the maybe comfortability and and um relationships are a little bit more difficult to come by in in football um and then obviously you have you know the the technical differences of the the different type of kicking obviously the ball having a helmet and shoulder pads on um i think an odd thing is for a kicker you know you're you're running towards a ball before it's even there. I mean, everything that's happened, you know, under 1.3 seconds, snap to kick. Um, and, you know, I'm looking at the holder's hand. I'm not looking at you. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that bottom hand comes up, that's my cue to leave. And so I'm going towards something that's not even there yet. And sometimes my kicking leg is already cocked back before the ball is even put down sometimes if it's a little bit high or not that you did that ever. Um <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bro. Don't be talking about this right now. <laughs> I think that was my no. last day there that that happened. <laughs> uh, um, and so, yeah, that's uh, that's a massive difference. But um, I think the relationships would, would be the biggest thing for me anyways that I've observed that, that's massively different. Yeah, that's – so in the MLS, you're saying that you were able to build good relationships? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Much better. Much better. I, I figured it was just the cost of 
high level athletics that like you know the locker room's just different than it is in high school or middle school where like it's all about this camaraderie and your boys with everybody but uh the nfl is unique i guess in that sense is the is the structure and organization of man first of all being down in jacksonville for august camp was <laughs> brutal dude <laughs> brutal so it I know Jacksonville is kind of on the extreme end of organization and time right. consumption, but the organization and the hype, is it different in the NFL than the MLS or is it similar? Yeah. I mean, the organization obviously is much larger. Um, I mean, you know, you're trying to sell 60 to 70,000 tickets instead of, you know, 25 to 35 in some stadiums. I mean, they're, they must definitely get out there. Atlanta United has an average attendance, I think of 71,000. Um, wow. I think MLS is second or third highest average attendance of all the sports in America. What? Because of teams like Atlanta United and Portland Timbers and all the Canadian teams, Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto. Um, have to check your stats on that. Well, no offense. Go, check go, check, <laughs> go check Galaxy ticket sales versus the Chargers ticket sales. Same stadium. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I believe that. I believe yeah. that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just such a, a grander scale in the NFL. There's yeah. so many more sponsors, so much more TV time. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just larger, man. It's just the MLS is small potatoes. Have you enjoyed your, to, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying compared to the NFL. Have you, uh, enjoyed your time in the NFL? Uh, yes and no. Um, the off season and everything, the time that it affords you is awesome. The opportunities it affords you to meet cool people. I mean, I get to like name drop and occasionally get to meet like my favorite bands. Um, it's super cool. I've gotten to meet Lord Huron. I'm uh, good friends with Johnny Slim, who's Abner, the lead singer is from Jacksonville. Um, yeah, I, I get to meet all these really, really cool people and I get to go to these schools and encourage kids and talk to people about their journey and um, being able to transition about things and um, get to do awesome things with charities and, you know, things that otherwise, unless you have a job that has a decent amount of status, you don't get to do. Um, you know, my time in San Diego was both amazing and kind of lonely because it's the best city in the country as far as I'm concerned. Wow. But wow. that organization, I can't speak for everyone. My experience in that organization was not great. Um, it was difficult. It was, because uh, I, I have this, I've realistically been a pro since I've been 14 mm -hmm. um, for all intents and purposes. And that, while I was there, my perception of that organization was very lackadaisical, very laissez-faire. Um, and I think that's why I probably won nine games in two seasons there. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was hard for me. Um, my time in Jacksonville has been much better. I think my, the sense of community here is fantastic. I love the people here. My wife and I have made so many close friends here. We haven't even been here two years and we have, definitively lifelong friends. I mean, my mom asked me the other day, she said, do you think you guys are going to end up staying in Jacksonville forever? And my response was, if our friends are here forever, then we're here forever. Wow. And those are just the type of relationships that we built here. So um, that's a very long-winded version of saying yes and no. I've enjoyed it and it's been difficult. You've been the beneficiary, I feel like, in multiple phases of your life of... Uh of being more experienced in another genre as we were kind of talking about. So whether you're, you know, first of all, you're, you're pro at 14 and you're going to IMG Academy and then you show up at uh, Texas A&M and you've already been a professional athlete and then you go yeah. to the NFL. And again, like you've, you've already had this whole past experience and you're older, you're more mature. Um, talk about, talk about the effect that, and you, you mentioned your brother earlier too, you playing soccer with him and his friends and, you know, being yeah. in all these more advanced leagues. Do you talk about the effect that that's had on your life? Yeah, I think it's every, I think that they've all been building blocks to kind of set me up for the successes that I have now. Um, being a goalie, you're out there on an Island, you make a mistake, everyone sees it. 
you do something well, everyone sees it. You get all the praise or all the hate. Um, I think um, leaving home early helped me mature and realize what's important at a really young age. Um, so that when I am in an arguably harsh environment of the NFL, I, I kind of have my priorities straight. Um, which I think people, they don't have a lot of structure. A lot of folks in the NFL, they don't have that structure as a kid growing up. And so all of a sudden, um, you know, you, you get all this money, all this fame, all this attention, and you don't know what to do with it. And it corrupts mm -hmm. a lot of people, I think. Um, so I've been super fortunate with that. I've been fortunate that my brother kind of won't allow me to um, take advantage of it for, well, no, because he wants me to take advantage of the opportunities I have, but not take advantage of it as, oh, I'm an NFL player. I'm cool. I'm hot stuff, whatever. Like he will, he'll never ever, he will come, he'll fly down here and punch me in the face the minute I start <laughs> acting that way. Um, and then my oldest brother would probably just sit on me, which would be just as effective. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I've been so fortunate to have so many experiences that have led me to where I'm at now. Um, and like I said, I think they've all been building blocks and they've all allowed me to get to where I'm at and to develop this, you know, on the field, this one for one mentality that I think we've talked about, you know, I can't mm -hmm. in pregame think, okay, I'm going to go three for three today with two fifty yarders or like, cause you, you never know what's going to, what opportunity is going to present itself. And you can only make the kicks that you're allowed that are, you're presented. Um, and so my thought process going into every game is, okay, I need to be one for one on every game. If I go one for one, every single time I'm out there, I'm going to put my team in a good position to win. I'm going to put myself in a good position to succeed. And, you know, it's the same thing. If I, I get all the praise or all the hate uh, and being a goalie certainly helped me prepare for that. Yeah. I was going to ask about um, your psychological approach because there is a lot of pressure, whether it's being a goalie. Kickers obviously notoriously have a very difficult mental job. And is that one for one, just your, your approach with everything? Just – um, not, not everything. Um, I mean, certainly you can, again, you can only take advantage of whatever opportunities are in front of you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it certainly can be applied to that. Um, but you know, you're talking about vision boards. Um, you know, I go out every single day, every single game, as soon as I get to the stadium, I change immediately and I go out into the field, I get a good warm up in and I literally do probably 10 dry swing visualization kicks each end of the of, of the field including kickoffs I, I do I take my steps back I read the wind okay a little bit stronger left right I'll aim a little bit more this way I'll take my steps back and over I'll, I'll do my 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 movement my um my whole routine and I'll go and do a, a full kick I will and then I will visualize literally I will see that ball going through the middle of the uprights every single time um, and if something feels off if I feel like okay my, my chest was down a little bit because I'll know too by my the way my body feels, whether or not that ball really could have gone down the middle of it. And if it's not, okay, I'm going to redo that. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to correct it before I go on to the next one. Mm -hmm. So I do, I visualize all that stuff. Um, Cause if you can see it up here, then it, it can happen. Yeah. Um, and so I think the mental aspect of it is, is everything I've been studying. Um, you know, mindfulness, I think, which is so massively helpful for anyone in my position or our position um, being a specialist. Um, a wonderful book called The Mindful Athlete by George Mumford um, just really kind of helps you understand what is like the zone that athletes get into. How do you get there? How do you stay there? What kind of things can deter you from getting there, can take you out of it? Um, it's been just so massively helpful. I think that's what that's what allowed me to go from you know 81% over two years and with the Chargers to over 90% two years with the Jags. That's insane, by the way. That's insane. Congrats. That might that might seem like a a, a self brag, but it's <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. No, it's that's what I've always appreciated about you. It's like you're obviously extremely accomplished, wildly talented, and I I feel like there's there's no shame in being able to identify as we talked about the God given talents that you have, and yeah. if if because if if you try to act like you're not a great kicker or you didn't kick like that's those are just facts yeah. and that's that's the position you've been in and to belittle yeah. that is uh belittling you know i think 
I think your story, which yeah, yeah, it's there's there's no but but it, but it's also but it's also certainly not all me. You know, for one, I can't do my job without a snapper and a holder, and you know, I didn't right. choose to be six foot tall. I didn't choose to have the genetics I have. I didn't choose to have the parents that I had that were able to afford me whatever I needed, and the best training, the best gear. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't choose to have people in my life. Well, certainly, but sometimes. But you know, I was blessed to have certain people like Melhoff just kind of be able to step in and, and fill a need. So you know, when people say things, you know, like you've earned it you deserve it. I, I always have a hard time. I try not to be like that guy that's, Oh no, I don't. Cause I don't like it's just an awkward conf- confrontation with the other person. Cause I know the heart of what they're trying to say, but I, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I'm super fortunate to have the talent and the abilities that I have. And I've been able to hone them in, you know, to a certain degree, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm fortunate, man. I'm fortunate to be where I'm at to, to have another contract in this league um, to have, you know, really, really multiple second chances. I had a second chance with sports with football. I had a second chance in the NFL getting picked up by the Jags, um, you know, and ultimately that's all other people's decisions that have allowed me, that afforded me the opportunities that I've had and the positions that I've had. So I'm just super grateful, man. I can't take an ounce of credit for any of it. Your, uh, your self-awareness and humility are appreciated. Uh, last question, then we'll close. I, I am curious, transitioning from the, the psychological side of things, if you ever um, – I feel like whether you're an athlete or not, there's times where you can get wrapped up in this anxiety and, and uh, are there ever times when you're kicking or you're visualizing and, and things just aren't going how you want them to? Oh yeah. Big time. What do you do in those situations? So uh, sometimes I'll get these, I will, I literally get this thought, this, you know, borderline voice in my head. I, and I, it happened to me in my first couple of years in the league, like, I'll just walk out for a kick and I just have this self doubt of you're going to miss this kick. It doesn't matter what you do. It's not, it's not going in. Hmm. And, and I would just kind of accept that and I'd go out there and I would, I'd miss the kick. And then study, you know, after going through that mindfulness, uh, the mindful athlete, that book um, tells you to be uh, you know, awareness of breath. You know, when you have those anxious moments, it's all because of other situations and circumstances. It's because of past experiences, maybe a past kick, but you know, that your last, you could make or miss the last 50 kicks. It has no bearing on what the next one is going to do or what you're going to do with the next kick. So when I get those feelings of self doubt, now I acknowledge them that they're there. I let them pass. And then instead of focusing on, no, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. I focus on, okay, what's my tempo right now? Mm-hmm. Is my posture right? Is are my steps back and over perfect? Um, you know, are my are my shoulders and my hips proper before the ball comes? Am I breathing properly? Is my routine the same? Am I approaching the ball with the right tempo and the right pace? Am I keeping my chest tall as I'm going through it? Am I following through? Am I skipping down the target line? Am I keeping my eyes back? So if I do all those little things, I won't even have to look up, and I can guarantee you, ten times out of ten, that ball is going to go through the uprights. So I just shift, I shift my focus um, instead of going from, sorry, Megan's hollering and we got to get to Pilates here. Um, yeah, no but yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I just, I shift my focus instead of uh, a um, really an intangible feeling to very tangible set steps. I feel like, um, I feel like that translates into life as a whole where it's like, you know, you focused on the one activity and that's ultimately the building blocks of, making your life successful one second uh josh yeah um all right so closing questions yeah um one what are your goals now uh my goals now are to um you know i have some kind of personal private goals in terms of like numbers and things with football and um kickoffs and field goals and stuff that i'm gonna keep to myself um but really also my goal is to help my team win every time i'm out there every time i'm on the field I want to take control of that unit and want to, I want to put the other 10 guys in the field in the best position to succeed. Awesome. And then three takeaways that you've learned over your life experiences that uh, the audience could maybe learn from as well. Um, I think the first thing, and, and I do think the biggest thing is surround yourself with good people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all the cliches of, you know, you are who you surround yourself with and, I, I do think that my life is going better and firing on all cylinders more now than it ever has because of the people I'm with. Um, my support system here is stellar. It's outstanding. I can't say enough good things about Megan and ours circle of friends that we have in Jacksonville. 
um, I mean, in the off season, I'm waking up at 520 in the morning to go work out with my buddy at 545 just to spend time with him because he wants to get his workout done so that he can go to work. And then he comes home and it's just family time, which mm-hmm. I respect immensely. But I want to spend time with, with, my, with my guy. And so I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll do that with you. So one time of year I get to sleep in, but you know what? Our, our relationship and our friendship is stronger and more important than that. Um, I think the second thing is to set short-term goals. Um, you know, if you are right now in middle school or high school or have dreams of playing the professional sports or become an author, become a dentist, wh- whatever you want to be, musician, um, you can't just have that be your goal. You can't just say, you can't have a piece of paper and have one thing at the top of it say, become an NFL star. Okay, well, how? What are you going to do this week for that? What are you going to do next week for that? What are you going to do next month for that? What are you going to do next year for that? Um, setting those short-term goals, you take care of the little things, the big things take care of themselves. Um, and lastly, I mean, I would say seek perspective in everything that you're doing. All of the things and all of the, fa- I, could, I could have sat in my arguably failures as a soccer player and just sat in those and lived in those. Or I could have said, you know what? I went through all this stuff for a reason. Or you know what? I can make a reason that I went through all these things and hmm. allow them to propel me forward rather than anchor me down. Wow. Josh, I... Uh... Appreciate the time. Appreciate your wisdom and uh, your perspective. It's always a pleasure, man. Have a good time at Pilates and we'll catch up later. You got it. Thanks a lot, man. I'll see you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you found today's interview valuable, there are a lot of ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can also share it with your friends on social media, blogs, or on your own podcast. And please head over to my website at www.andrewdeast.com for more information and to request your favorite celebrity, entrepreneur, athlete, or anyone else who inspires you. Feel free to connect with me directly on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew D. East. And thank you again. We hope to see you next time on Redirected.